Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. When is the last time you practiced a timed turn? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you are listening to the Instrument Pilot podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to check it out and learn more. One membership price gets you access to our private instrument commercial and very soon CFI and multi-engine online ground school courses. We also do webinars every Monday night. In fact, the topic I'm sharing with you now is a topic we discussed on last Monday's uh, webinar with our online ground school members on this topic of the magnetic compass and timed turns. Visit groundschoolacademy.com to learn more. We're not just going to prep you for a written test. We're not just going to prep you for a check ride. Yes, you'll pass your written. Yes, you'll pass your check ride with flying colors. But most importantly, we're going to make you a safe, real-world pilot. I don't teach anyone just how to pass a test. Um, that, that serves no function other than checking a box that you did it. You're going to pass the test with flying colors, but you're going to pass the test because you actually know the information, not memorizing that when you see this question, this is the answer. We're going to teach you how, how it was supposed to be, a knowledge test, not just a written test, the, you know, a practical check ride and being that safe real-world pilot. Anyways, groundschoolacademy.com. Let's get into our topic today. The magnetic compass and really timed turns as well and working through that entire process. Let's start with some facts. First off, the magnetic compass. How much thought have you really put into your magnetic compass lately? It's just there. It's tried and true. It never really breaks. It's my primary instrument to set the head indicator. And that's about all we think about. You never really think about how it actually works. And have you ever thought about it this way? The magnetic compass is actually always stri always pointing north. That's its goal, right? Think back to when you were a, a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout. You're on a camping trip. You have your magnetic compass. It always wants to do what? Point north. Yet in the airplane, we get different readings because think about it this way. It always points north, but in reality, you are flying around the magnetic compass. Kind of profound when you think of it that way. Like, it always points north, I get that, and I am flying around the magnetic compass. That's how I'm seeing these different readings. Now, east and west, when you're looking at the magnetic compass, seem to be on the wrong side, don't they? If you want to go left, we need really need to go right to get back to that heading. So when is then the last time, now knowing these, these newfound facts about your magnetic compass, when is the last time you did like a magnetic compass pre-flight, as silly as it sounds? Check for any leakage of the mineral oil. I know we hear the phrase all the time, it's a whiskey compass, but it's not exactly true. It's actually mineral oil that's in there. When's the last time during taxi you stop to make sure it's swinging and moving freely? Or how about to make sure the compass variation, that compass deviation card, is actually readable in the case? 
right? We've spent so much time planning cross countries with a slight deviation. Is that compass card correct? And can you actually read it? Oftentimes just, it's been sitting there since 1972 when your airplane came off the manufacturer line and that's it. Hasn't been touched since then. So is it still accurate? And is it even, can you even read it? Think about that. So just different things to think about with a magnetic compass. Now, what about the, the main focus of this podcast today is the compass errors. In fact, on the ACS and in the PTS, one of the line item tasks in the navigation section is just that, understanding and having knowledge of the compass errors. And there's two acronyms we teach, ANDS, A-N-D-S, and UNOS, U. N-O-S. ANDS, A-N-D-S, accelerate north, decelerate south. If I was, let's say, on a westerly heading in the northern hemisphere, and I accelerate my airplane via giving it more power, lowering the nose, a little bit of both, and I accelerate through the air, my compass will momentarily show a turn to the north, even though I'm going straight and level, before that compass returns back to 270, whatever the appropriate heading is. I accelerate north and I decelerate south. If I'm, again, same situation, I bring the power back, I pick the nose up, I drop the flaps, the speed brakes, whatever it may be, I decelerate my compass will momentarily show a turn to a heading towards south before it corrects itself. Accelerate north, decelerate south. Then we get into UNOS, U-N-O-S, undershoot north, overshoot south. What this means, and this is where your timed compass turns come into play so much here. I am to undershoot north and overshoot south. If I have a vacuum system failure, I lose my attitude indicator and I lose my heading indicator and I'm using solely my magnetic compass. Well, one thing I'm going to use is time and time these turns, which we'll talk about here in a second. The other thing I'm going to use, though, is eyeballing it on my compass, but my compass can have a lag and a lead to it. For example, I am to undershoot a northerly heading. If I'm on west and I'm turning to a northerly heading, I want to undershoot north, meaning I want to roll out ahead of north. And when I roll out wings level, you'll see that compass catch right on up and put you on just about north heading, and then you can make those adjustments from there. The opposite is true for south. I'm to overshoot south. Meaning if I'm on an east or a westerly heading, it doesn't really matter. And I'm turning using just the magnetic compass. I'm turning to a southerly heading or due south, let's say for this example. I am to overshoot south. And by how much depends on, you know, rate of turn and everything else in there. But I'm to overshoot south according to my magnetic compass. And then roll out wings level and watch that heading of south come back into the picture. You see, this is so beneficial when we start doing time turns. And if you have not been doing time turns, your check ride is going to be a big surprise for you. 
because I guarantee you will get a vacuum system or an AHARS failure or something along those lines is going to fail for your instrument pilot check ride. Your instrument check ride is going to be one of the hardest check rides you do. It's a difficult check ride. It is night and day different from the private pot, not to, not to scare you or intimidate you any, but it's a difficult check ride. It's not easy. I'm not saying private pot was a walk in the park, but it's, it's definitely more difficult than your private pilot check ride was because of the severity of it all. I mean, they are effectively approving you to fly in the clouds and pour weather conditions down to minimums and maybe have a vacuum system failure or an AHARS failure if you're flying a G1000, right? So they're going to put you through the ringer. They're going to fail those systems, and they're not going to care that you've got a beautiful G1000 in front of you. They're going to expect you to know how to time turns. So if you have not started doing standard rate and half standard rate timed turns to headings, you need to find some time either on your own accord or with a flight instructor to get out there and do it. In an emergency, you've got that vacuum pump failure, that AHARS failure, these time turns, this magnetic compass, that's what we really fall back on. I mean, look back, if any of you have had the pleasure of flying in a Piper Cub, there's really like three things in a Piper Cub. There's an airspeed indicator, a tachometer, and a magnetic compass. And, and that's really it for that. I mean, bare bones minimums, right? That's really, really it in that case. Too often, we just use this magnetic compass to check for precession of the heading indicator and, and kind of do the basic stuff with that. And we really kind of take it for granted. But question for you, do you need a working magnetic compass to fly? Kind of just gave it away by telling you the Piper Cub story, but the answer is absolutely yes. 91205, even VFR day. 91205, skipping ahead to paragraph B, says visual flight rules day. For VFR flight during the day, the following instruments and equipment are required. An airspeed indicator, an altimeter. Number three is a magnetic direction indicator. A magnetic compass is what they're talking about there. It's the third item they list of a lot of items, right? It's just that important. Like I shared with you, it continues on through the now new ACS and even through the PTS, the magnetic compass is going to come up on your check ride. I'm looking at uh, a uh, ACS slide right here. Navigation, pilotage and dead reckoning, the 10th item listed. The applicant demonstrates an understanding of magnetic compass errors, ands and unos. Do you know the acronyms? Do you know what they mean? Can you explain it? You see, it's so different. It's, how do I want to phrase this? It's, it's one thing to sit here and go, yes, Jason, accelerate north, decelerate south. Undershoot north, overshoot south. You know the acronyms. That's rote memorization. But can you actually show it to or explain it to a checkride examiner? Better yet, have you actually seen it in action? You can know all these acronyms all day, but until you've actually seen it occur on a magnetic compass, will it actually click for you? So perhaps it's time for you to maybe think about it and go back and go, man, this is such a crucial piece of equipment in my airplane that I really neglect because I have all this other technology that I don't want to say supersedes it, but really, I mean, it, it 
kind of does in a way because it gives you better situational awareness. But when everything else fails, what's the one thing that's still going to be working? That magnetic compass. Working his or her little bottom off to just point to north as your airplane flies around that magnetic compass. So maybe you can become your own flight instructor here and make yourself a little syllabus to go practice some time turns. Go do a magnetic compass pre-flight. Make sure it's swinging freely on taxi and testing these sort of items. That is what's going to help you out as you work and strive to become a safe, smart instrument pilot. That's really what we're after. So listen, guys, thanks so much. It's great to be back with you all. We're going to get doing, uh, uh, we're going to be doing these podcasts a much uh, more regular basis. Now, weekly is my goal. We've set up a podcast team, uh, a team of uh, two, myself and Tom, who uh, our ground school members all know is one of our great flight instructors here at M0A.com to really start uh, amping up uh, this, this podcast output because you guys love our videos. You love the podcast, you love the books, the audio books. We just want to be aviation on your time and, and in the modality that's easiest for you to consume it. That's what we're really here for. We're here for you guys. So listen, enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.